0: Welcome back to What It's Really Like to Be an Entrepreneur. I'm Vincent Lancey.
1: And I'm Melanie Griffin.
0: Whether you're already an entrepreneur, are looking to start your journey tomorrow, or are just someone who needs a little extra motivation to get through the day, this is the perfect podcast for you. Each week, I interview a different entrepreneur from across the globe. I will continue to offer episodes in all industries to provide you with many different perspectives. You never know which motivational journey will inspire you most. Each guest will take you through their story and help you learn from their successes and lessons learned. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate the show five stars and continue listening by subscribing. My guest on the show today is someone I connected with via LinkedIn and has a great perspective to provide you all. She is a triple graduate of the Florida State University with degrees in finance, an MBA, and a JD. Her entrepreneurial skills have been honed over 13 years as a business lawyer. Her hard work has paid off time and time again as she is the recipient of dozens of awards, including the Tampa Bay Business Journal, Businesswoman of the Year, Angie Joseph Excellence in Mentorship Award, and the Florida Bar SSFS Mentor of the Year Award. Being so passionate to help others, she launched her passion project in 2017, Spread Your Sunshine which is committed to empowering others with the confidence to break the glass ceiling and achieve their dreams. Spread Your Sunshine was born out of its truth. The world is bettered when people are instilled with the confidence that we are cheerleaders for their goals and accomplishments. Melanie is dedicated to intentionally focusing on the inspiration of joy and encouragement of others. She wants to help you shine brightly and her episode will do just that. Allow me to please introduce Melanie Griffin. Melanie, thank you for coming on the show.
1: Vincent, thank you so much for having me. I can't tell you how much your note in my inbox on LinkedIn just brightened my day. This is such a tremendous opportunity to connect with you and your community. So I'm just thrilled to be here.
0: I appreciate the kind words. Would you mind please introducing yourself to our listeners a little further without giving away too much of that entrepreneurial journey?
1: Absolutely. I am Melanie Griffin, as Vincent said. I am a lawyer by trade, practiced for or have practiced for over 13 years and have a background in business and then also have built my um, Spread Your Sunshine business, which is committed to inspiring others and in particular through um, inspirational products, through keynote speaking through consulting. And then most recently, and actually this is hot off the presses depending upon when this show actually is published, because we too are are launching the Spread Your Sunshine podcast and social media show. Um, And so we've recorded our first several episodes and then we're getting ready to launch um, at an undisclosed quote unquote date. So that is either out in the world, depending upon when you're listening to this or is soon coming and please look for it.
0: Well, congratulations on another accomplishment. I'm looking forward to listening to it.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I'm so I'm I'm so excited about just connecting with our community in that different way.
0: Well, everybody listening on, we'll be sure to give them that information at the end of the episode so they can follow that. But I think it is a perfect time to get into the big five on each episode. My guests and I will go over these five questions to help you, the listeners, learn what it's really like to be an entrepreneur. Are you ready to go?
1: Oh, I, I'm ready right to rock it.
0: Let's do it. So. When did you realize that you either weren't happy with what you were doing or just needed some kind of change to truly start this entrepreneurial journey? Please share your story.
1: My husband asked me a question at some point in my law career when I was practicing 100% of the time that I think is so pivotal and can really help your listeners, Vincent, and that is the job that you are presently in. Can you picture someone else doing it? And if the answer to that question is no, I love my job or maybe I don't love my job, but I like it. I have, you know, I still have things to invest in it. And if someone were to fill my shoes and my company replaced me, I would feel like I left it on the field and that there were additional things I could do um, that I didn't, you know, pack it all up and take it home with me, then you probably need to stay in that job Um, or, or at least for a short term. For me, that was certainly the case for, I would say, about five years after my husband started asking me that. At some point, however, the answer became, I don't care if they hire someone else. You know what? Good luck. And I, I say that tongue in cheek because my former employer was awesome. Um, it's just that I outgrew the job and realized that I had a unique skill set to give the world and that that job was not an opportunity for me to deliver that message and connect with my community in that way. And the minute that you realize that you have something else to do um, and that you can, your job is holding you back or the role that you've carved out for yourself is holding you back in that moment. I think that that's when we really have to get serious about carving out a different niche and going down a different path.
0: I think that's great advice because a common fear, and rightfully rightfully so, is no one wants to leave that secure thing where they're used to showing up 9 to 5 on Friday getting paid, and at 5 o'clock their day ends. Whereas an entrepreneur, you're thinking around the clock. (laughs)
1: yeah and even if your job doesn't end at five, even if that's around the clock at some point if it 's not joyous or if it 's no longer challenging, then you just you don't feel like you're giving back in the way that you want to and so I know for me that's something I grappled with is that my job it took a tremendous number of hours. And what also held me back then from going towards Spread Your Sunshine from that full-time legal practice was that I also knew that Spread Your Sunshine would take a number of tremendous hours. And I had to get my head around the fact that it wasn't an easy answer. But ultimately, not only did I realize that that was my niche and the way that I could serve others best, but beyond that, I also realized if I wanted to continue to be a high performer, I had to be challenged and just staying in the day-to-day rut of doing the same old thing that I had already done for over a decade wasn't gonna do it.
0: Yeah, we touched on it a little bit before the episode, even with me, where the finance job, it just wasn't bringing me the joy where now I'm making a large difference. We're going almost on seven years doing this. So finally getting the mud in the tires. But I'm excited to learn this next question from you because you've been on this entrepreneurial path a little bit, tremendous work experience in the law field. With the transition, what would you say one or two of the most difficult parts of being an entrepreneur are for you?
1: number one is being vulnerable and putting your idea Product service out into the world and not knowing how people will, re- will will react to it, right? And so for me, I can tell you that um, I got a myriad of reactions. So for instance, this one I think is more common that you leave your nine to five, so to speak, or your twenty four hour day job, whatever it is. But you know that your your parents or whomever, instead sort of a di- different generation that maybe wasn't as entrepreneurial, says to you, "Are you sure that you want to give up your steady paycheck, your benefits, whatever it may be?" Um, another, you know piece of feedback that I received was, are you sure you want to quote unquote, leave a prestigious job of being a lawyer to just make, you know, an Etsy product that's, um, spread your sunshine stationary and spread your sunshine does so much more than that in terms of what we provide to the world. But it was a fair statement that, in that person's mind, that their version of the truth is the truth for them. And that's how they viewed my decision. And so you're going to get a lot of feedback, not only about the actual product or service that you're offering that makes you vulnerable, but you are also going to get feedback about just that choice so certainly that is a difficult aspect of entrepreneurship the second Thing, which is what we already touched on, is time. Is that unless you have something that you're able to somehow use as your foundation and then shift it to this new platform on what you're working, and even if you're able to do that, I still think that even making that shift is going, to make, is going to take tremendous time to make it meaningful to the new people you're going to serve, is that there is no way around it, as you noted, Vincent, and it's been true for you, and I'm sure almost every other guest you've had, is that- Entrepreneurship—it is not an easy way out. It is going to, um, at least at the beginning. Hopefully, you can automate and scale um, <laughs> later. But man, at least the beginning, you are going to be putting in the hours if you want to see the progress and feedback.
0: And it's funny because a lot of people who don't really know what entrepreneurship truly entails, they think it's this cushy lifestyle where we're on vacation and we're working an hour a day and everything's so glamorous. When Me personally, I'm up at two, three in the morning, a lot of days working around the clock to just do these little pieces to make it work. But you brought up a great point before where the advice you receive, people around you, you're putting your idea out there, the vulnerability. People around you, they mean well, they want your best interests. Like you said, don't leave that nine to five, that prestigious job. But not everybody's advice is relevant or good advice, I could say, because Mm -hmm. they're not in the same place as us. They're not in that mindset of, I want to build something from scratch like you have done.
1: Well, I also think too, that you have to look at who it is that's giving you feedback because these days there's such a generational aspect to that and that, you know, um, I actually am about to celebrate my 40th birthday and I went to school at a time when there was no entrepreneurial center on campus. Now, um, as you said, I'm a graduate of Florida state. We have one of the preeminent entrepreneurship schools. In the US but that was not true I mean that's been within the last decade and so even myself has to wrap my mind around this new world that we're venturing into and so certainly our parents that their mindset the way they were trained is that you did a good job if you were loyal to your company and so certainly I'm not telling you to disregard your parents advice or an older mentors advice but you have to make sure that the person who is giving you mentorship is right for that particular aspect of what you're seeking advice on and sometimes from a generational aspect, it is that's not the case if they're used to um, punching a clock for 40 years for the same company.
0: You couldn't have said it better. I mean, the information you take in—it's got to be the right information. And our parents' generation, you know, they would work 40 years at the same desk, and that was, you know, they—you get a job, you stay at a job, you retire, and you know, you get pensions and all those things that aren't here anymore, really. But It is a huge generational difference, so that was a great perspective. But looking back here, over your whole life so far, what is one of your greatest failures or lessons learned? And what did it teach you? Why is it still stuck with you all the way up until today, Melanie?
1: I really have thought about this. Um, Vincent, I know that you have done a great job of prepping your guests for these interviews. And the reason I put so much thought into it is that failure is actually one of my main things I love helping people with is overcoming imposter syndrome and failure. Yeah. And since I tell... I actually frequently talk about my failures um, so I'm like, what is a new one that I could share um, with Vincent's community and make sure that you have heard me on another show or um, a keynote speech that you get something new. And so the one that I have not shared that actually happened about a year ago is that hopefully you get this um, through the microphone, through listening to me through your ear pods or whatever way you're connecting with this podcast today, is that I failed to connect with one of Spread Your Sunshine's employees. And I just did not get out of that employee at all what we needed from them, and unfortunately, it was someone um, that I had committed to employing them for a certain period of time, okay. and so I did not feel comfortable. Even though we're we're in Florida and we're in a right to work state, I mean I don't know if I could have quote unquote legally broken the contract or not, but I was committed to seeing it through. But there are at least a couple of things that I learned from that experience, and number one is that I needed. To to do a better job of vetting the employees that I brought into spread your sunshine and one of the things that I think is critical there is that here's the one thing that I could have done that would have uncovered what the ultimate problem was with this particular employee is that if as a part of the interview process if I had actually offered to pay the employee for a short period of time to perform a function and to see how they did in that job, it would have shown me so much about their personality, not just in terms of you have the skill set on paper. So let's pretend that this person said that they were a copyright editor and they could um, draft content for Spread Your Sunshine. Let's accept as a truth that I have seen the written product if I don't actually go through that experience of them writing the product and knowing, are they going to grasp what it is that I asked them to write about? Is the content going to be on point? Are they going to have to have me hold their hand and review a million drafts or ask several questions that I don't have time to answer? Because at the end of the day, if that employee isn't saving you time, then they didn't do anything to help you. Hmm. And so those things would have all been uncovered. Again, if I had just asked the employee to perform a task ask as opposed to accepting the face value of their answer or their resume or their supplied work product or whatever it is that they gave me that was already prepared. Um, And so that was just such a, a, a great thing to learn. In addition to the second thing that I will share that I learned from that experience is you have to ask yourself, I think, a question at the end of every experience that you consider to be, quote unquote, a failure. I'm using air quotes there. But that is, did you do everything that you could? To have prevented that outcome, and obviously the answer here for me was no, because I already told you how I could have done better in the interview process. But with that, I didn't just say to myself, "Oh man, this was a bad situation," um, you know, and, and just let that period of time that we worked together be ruined. I constantly strived to figure out a how I could do better interviewing in the future. And then B, I also, as a related note, constantly reassessed throughout the summer, okay, we are working together with this employee. She knows it's not the best relationship. I know it's not the best relationship, but what skill set can she contribute to spread your sunshine? And let's focus on that, even if it wasn't the initial job for which the person was hired so that we could make the most of our time together that we could.
0: A ton of great lessons in there, leveraging your employees' strengths and weaknesses, finding out what works for them because everybody is different. But overall, company culture, that's what you're talking about and how essential it is. It's got to be a right fit because it's just wasting time detaching you even further from the goals of the company if not everybody's on the same page.
1: Absolutely. And and you said at best company culture and also company need, that if you've hired an employee for a specific job function and you now have someone who cannot perform it. So in the example that I gave that I did make the best use of the summer, but now we had employees who could perform duplicative functions because that ended up being the skill set that was identified for the employee that we um, had hired. And then we had a gap where we had hired that person and we thought they would be able to help. And that didn't end up being what they wanted to to work on. And not that I allow my employees to dictate "quote unquote" their schedule, but at some point you do have to accept as a truth that if your employees aren't motivated, if they're not happy, if they don't love what they're working on, you're not going to get great work products. So at some point, depending upon your situation, you may have to call a spade a spade as we did in that situation. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to be working on whether you have the right um, work team and flow as well.
0: Another thing could be with what people are looking for with an employer, Some people want that PTO, that air hockey table in the conference room that everybody wants different things, but you have to cater to each employee differently. And that's a great lesson there, Melanie. But I am excited for this next question because you're such a career learner. If you could choose to have a conversation and learn from any entrepreneur, dead or alive, who are we going with?
1: Oh, this is so tempting. So my real answer for you that would not be applicable here is Kate Middleton. Um, I've said this before. I want her to be my bestie. She just doesn't know I'm alive. But in answering your actual question, um, I don't have just one person, but I would pick any of the female Fortune 500 CEOs. There are so few of them. And so for them to have been able to climb to the top of their company, or not necessarily climb, because that makes it sound like it has a negative connotation. And I mean this positively. So if they displayed the leadership characteristics that allowed them to either rise up internally or to be such a Um, commodity in the marketplace that that Fortune 500 wanted to have them on the top of their leadership pyramid. I just think there are so many lessons to unpack there. And again, especially because of the fact that it's not just a Fortune 500, obviously, um, or maybe not obviously, but a lot of those leaders would be incredible to learn from. But I think especially a female CEO where that is just, you know, it's almost like the unicorn that's um, somewhat unattainable, unfortunately, still today, that I think they would have additional lessons Perspective to share.
0: I love it. Um, one that comes to mind is uh, Sarah Blakely. She course, is sometimes yeah. people choose her as the entrepreneur they like to meet, and she had this powerful quote. I remember was, "Don't be intimidated by what you don't know. That can be the greatest strength and ensure you do things differently from everybody else, which is separating yourself from the competition. Be unique." And I love that answer. But you have a lot going on now. Spread your sunshine is growing. I want to look into the future with you here where do you see yourself and all of your entrepreneurial endeavors one year and five years out? Let's start with one year, Melanie.
1: Oh, so this is always tough. I, I tend to be someone that kind of ebbs and flows and goes with what is, um, you know, coming my way. And I do think that's important for your listeners is that you as an entrepreneur have to always be getting feedback from the community. And so I think this is such a valuable question. And yet I would caution the listeners about being too cemented in these plans because if you're not listening to the community and or thinking about what is going on in the marketplace today and so depending upon when you're listening to this we're recording during the coronavirus pandemic but certainly we may have been past that you may be listening to this well into the future um and my point is about this is that just make sure that you are again, changing because what you did in 2019 certainly was not more than likely what you could do with your business in 2020. That being said, mm-hmm. giving that caveat, um, the two things I have on my horizon for Spread Your Sunshine is continuing to grow our products and services. And so with the products, we already have an inspirational line that congratulates and celebrates our community and tells them how fabulously awesome they are. I would love to add additional products for gratitude, grace, um, and honestly celebrating kids. I don't think it ever starts to early that we start giving ourselves a positive mindset because some of the self-learned behaviors that we have from that young age is what holds us back as an adult because we keep talking to ourselves in the same way unless someone or something intercedes like I know Vincent with you with your um, accident you know it's like thankfully at 21 you had this life-changing experience but if you hadn't maybe negative self-talk that you gave earlier to yourself in your life might have carried over and how unfortunate because we'd be missing out on this great opportunity to connect and similarly with our service You already kind of heard where we're going the next year, but we are looking to not only launch our show, but then have to um, have e-courses that are corresponding with that and coming out of it to help our community learn and grow further, as well as others that join us.
0: Yeah, you definitely have a lot to offer. I think that e-course can be extremely successful and extremely valuable for everybody listening on. I'm very passionate about giving back to the children as well. I have two very big projects, very close to completion, a mental health children's book and an entrepreneurship children's book. Um, And I'm really just excited to get to these kids because especially now with coronavirus, um, the separatism of individuality, these children are six months old, they start crawling away from their parents, looking back for security, they go to school, become their own people, individuality, and now they're back home, stunted that, that growth, that creativity, that independence. So I love how you're able to give back to the kids. What's five years out for you?
1: So this I used to joke about, and yet with technology these days, I don't know if it's um, really a joke or not, As I always used to say that I would have my own TV talk show. Um, What I love is that in some ways we actually do, right? And so, um, you know, whether it's audio with you, with this podcast, um, you know, whether you actually take it to a show platform, but in some ways that would be my goal. um, And I don't exactly have my head wrapped around it, but to continue to grow our platform and to hopefully help and serve others.
0: Well, I'm excited to see everything you have in store for the future, and I think this is a great time for the Spotlight story, Melanie. On each episode, I share an entrepreneurial journey to inspire our listeners, and I would love to hear your take on it. As we have a lawyer-turned-entrepreneur recording today, I will introduce the story of another lawyer-turned-entrepreneur in Haley Altman. In 2016, Haley Altman founded the company Doxly, which is a secure portal for end-to-end transactions. She set her idea for an automated document and transaction management platform was born one evening at around 1 AM, where at the time she was a partner at a law firm and surrounded by hundreds of Manila folders. Haley and her team were hunting through thousands of documents for this one missing signature page that ended up holding up multi-million dollar closing. She ended up raising 2.75 million in equity for funding for this company, which was later acquired by Latera in 2019. Melanie, what do you like best about her story?
1: That she got funding. Um, As you may know from other uh, guests, um, I just jumped out at me because it is so difficult as a female to get that type of VC or investment funding. At the same time, though, I will use this as another learning moment since we're together is that, um, you know, as envious as I am of that, because I do think that certainly funding can help you scale and grow. And at some point it becomes a necessity for those who are earlier in the entrepreneurial journey. One thing that was counterintuitive to me was when I listened to a podcast um, and learned that that statistic that 95% of small businesses fail within the first year, a lot of them are actually tied to being overfunded because they don't go to the marketplace soon enough with their product or service to learn what the market thinks of it and how it could be better or improved. So again, I think it's tremendous that she got funding. And I I am so envious. But for those who are newer in the journey, don't let that stop you because sometimes it is the people who are quote unquote underfunded that are the scrappiest that end up being the biggest success. And you mentioned Sarah Blakely, look at her. $5,000 to start and now she's a billionaire. So um, again, it can happen and just keep your eye on the ball about what your actual needs are.
0: It was something I always wrestled with the idea of getting funding for my operations, but I have to prioritize what I'm doing as far as with my business because finances are limited, but I am close to that goal of the two kids' books, and this mental health resource, which will be coming out first in about a month now for All Ages Universal Mental Health Handbook to help everybody through this difficult time. And I'm hoping that will give me the funding I need for future endeavors. But Melanie, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I know our listeners are going to see all the value you brought on. I loved how you started in the beginning where you just said, hey, if you have that joy, if you have that passion, just go after it. I loved how you also touched on vetting your employees to find that right culture fit. Learning from these lessons is very important, and I also love your willingness to give back to the next generation. You're very mindful of the kids and the children or the future, so I'm very, very fond that you added that to your story, but it is time for the last word, and I also do this on my other podcast series, A Mental Health Break with Vincent A. Lancey, too, because I want my listeners to really get to know the guests I bring on. Is there something that you would like to share with everybody listening on that we did not touch on yet today?
1: My last piece of advice is embrace imperfection and failure that, as you mentioned, I love learning. And when I had my first real experience failing, I would say I did not have it soon enough. That while I'm sure things didn't go well for me before then, the first one that I really remember was in law school. And that was way too late in in life because I did not know exactly how to fail. And it is the most... Beneficial thing and helps you learn and grow, and you just never know what you'll put out in the world that just becomes beautiful when you start.
0: I love how you said that grow, you got to constantly grow and just be aware of everything that you can do to improve that ability. But would you mind please sharing your professional social media website, any ways for our listeners to follow your endeavors or request your services?
1: Absolutely. Visit us at spreadyoursunshine.com. When you go, you'll see a toolbar at the top for a 15% discount off our products and then eventually services, depending upon when you are listening to this. And then we are also on five different platforms. The first four are Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn, where our handle is at Spread Your Sunshine on those four. And then our fifth platform, Twitter, we are at Sunshine underscore women and look forward to connecting with you through either our social media or our e newsletter through our website.
0: Everybody, be sure to check out her great content. There's a ton of value in there, and it is social media time for the show, and we're on whichever platform you like to use. We're at What It's Really Like to Be an Entrepreneur on LinkedIn at Your Favorite Morning Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and at Podcasts by Lancey on Twitter so you have updates from this show and a mental health break with Vincent A. Lancey. Of course, my handles are at Vincent A. Lancy on all social media and YouTube and my website is vincentalancy.com. If you check out my books, DM me. I would love to hear from you all. We have Left for Dead, A Story of Redemption and How to Transform Your Mindset When the Norm Is Changed I created for all of you during the quarantine and both are on Amazon now. And as always, I will end the show with a quote that inspired me and know it will for you too. This one is from Haley Altman, the entrepreneur from today's Spotlight Story. She said very powerfully surround yourself with people who complement but don't match your main skill set. If you have a technology focus, partner with someone who has more of a business or sales focus. If you have more industry experience, look for people who can help round out your business. You can learn so much from people that have a different background and viewpoint. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you all in the next episode of What It's Really Like to Be an Entrepreneur.